Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Well, good morning. Grace, mercy, and peace to each of you, beloved people of God. Amen. Let's go ahead and take out our Bibles, uh, the one you brought with or the one that's in the pew, and you can open up to Exodus chapter 36. Exodus chapter 36. I just got done uh, this past week teaching a class on Wednesday evenings called Old Testament 101. And uh, as I was going through uh, each of these books, uh, the first five books of Moses, uh, Exodus included, I thought, we need to spend more time in the Old Testament. Uh, This is generally kind of an area that we're not strong on. We don't know all the narratives. And so uh, today, we're going to spend some time in Exodus chapter 36. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but it's the last Sunday of the year. Did you know that? It's the last Sunday of the church year. Um, And so we mark time a little bit differently in the church. And so Uh, So this is the last Sunday of the church year, and next week we'll begin uh, Advent. And so we will begin that season of preparation um, as Advent begins next Sunday. So Exodus 36. It can be a real challenge to lead a large group of people in one direction toward one single goal. Anybody here ever tried to, to coach Little League soccer? Raise your hand, Little League anything, right? A little bit of a challenge, right? I mean, you have the kids who are already all-stars on day one. Then you have the kids who are still learning and maybe a little bit behind on the skills. Then you got the kids who'd rather just sit there and pull grass and talk about Minecraft with each other. Then you got the kids who are competitive and aggressive, and then the kids who are maybe a little bit more cautious. And your job in coaching this team is to get all these little people to coordinate getting the ball into the goal. It's hard. Never tried it, but as a parent, I've watched with admiration from the sidelines. And I thought to myself, it can be a real challenge to lead a large group of people in one direction toward one goal. My wife and I had a birthday party at our house this past year, which included a Nerf gun war with about 15 to 20 middle schoolers. Once everybody finally got their darts and their guns, we had to walk two blocks to the park. It took about a half an hour to get everybody rounded up and actually get there. There was excitement, there was distraction, there was a lot of noise, but we finally got there. And when we did, we had to very carefully go through all the rules, the boundaries, like you can't leave, right? And then also the same definition of fairness as we began. It all worked out, everybody had fun, nobody wandered off, but as you can imagine, it can be a real challenge to lead a large group of middle schoolers in one direction toward one goal. But it's also hard with adults, too. I went to my family reunion this past summer in Manning, Iowa. Raise your hand. Anybody ever been to Manning, Iowa? A couple of you. Okay. It's a great place. You should go there. So somehow I was elected as the youngest of over 30 cousins to give directions to everybody about our potluck lunch. 
The first challenge was finding everybody. People kept wandering off when it was time to eat. But the second challenge was deciding how exactly to do things. Once I had finally gotten everybody's attention, which was no small task, some of the cousins decided it would be better to take a group picture of over 100 people before we ate. So as I'm trying to give directions, we had team, let's eat right now, I'm hungry, and team, let's take a picture first. It can be really hard to get a large group of people to walk in one direction toward one single goal. And that, my friends, is why we should have a lot of empathy for Moses. If you know the story of the Exodus, you know that Moses' task was to lead a very large group of people in one direction toward one goal. In his grace, God had saved Israel from their slavery in Egypt, and now Moses is given the task of leading this very large group of people through the wilderness into the land that God had promised them. I would say this task makes a Nerf gun war with middle schoolers look easy. It wasn't long before the people began to complain and grumble. They were hungry and thirsty. They were tired. But then even when God gave them the manna in the wilderness and the water from the rock to drink, they started to catastrophize their situation. They cried out, Moses, did you bring us out here in the wilderness to kill us? Moses, maybe we should just go back to Egypt. It was better there. Moses, is it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here in this wilderness to die? Anybody ever had a family vacation like that? right? Not only did they complain, they also did the complete opposite of what God had commanded them to do. So if you got your Bible open, flip back a few chapters to chapter 25. We're not going to go into depth in these chapters, but I just want you to see how the context of the book of Exodus is important. In chapter 25 of Exodus, right after God had made a covenant with Israel and given him them the Ten Commandments, he commands Israel to build a tabernacle. A tabernacle is a portable tent. It's a sanctuary where God would be close with his people and his people close with him all along their journey through the wilderness to the promised land. And so for five full chapters, chapter 25 through chapter 30, God gives Moses detailed instructions about how exactly to build this tabernacle. And then he invites the people to willingly bring all the needed materials for the tabernacle together as a willing contribution so that they could build the tabernacle, its altar, its curtains, the ark, the priest's garments, etc., everything needful for worship. By the way, if you've ever tried to just read the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, I have a feeling that maybe chapters 25 to 30 is where you slow down a little bit because lots of detailed, intricate, repetitive instructions about how to build this tent. So Moses is up on the mountain of Sinai getting all these instructions from God about how to build the tabernacle. And he's just about to come down the mountain and relay to the people this message so they can begin the project together. And guess what happens? You can flip in your Bible to Exodus 32. 
And you'll see in the title there what happens. Moses comes down the mountain to find the people doing the exact opposite of what they were commanded to do. Instead of waiting for instructions on how to worship the Lord, they had gotten impatient and they made an idol out of gold and they worshiped it as God. You see, it can be really hard to get a large group of people to walk in one direction toward one goal. And that is why chapter 36 of Exodus is so surprising. If you read the story of Israel during their 40 years in the wilderness, you'll notice a pattern. Israel is continually disobedient and stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Time and time again, they complain and they grumble and they worship other gods and they break God's law and they even drive Moses to the point of a nervous breakdown in the book of Numbers. But here in chapter 36, for just a brief moment, they get it right. And they not only get it right, but they get it right willingly and abundantly. You see, after they make the golden calf in chapter 32 and worship it, Moses intercedes for the people that God would not destroy them, that God would keep the covenant that the people had broken. And God shows them surprising mercy, grace, and compassion. He renews the covenant with his disobedient people so that they would be his people again. And in the power of God's fresh and abundant forgiveness, God gives them again the commandment to build their tabernacle and the invitation to bring everything needed for its construction. In spite of their failure, God asks them again to participate in this project. And something unexpected and surprising happens. The people obey. They willingly bring everything for the building of that tabernacle, and not just willingly, but also abundantly. In fact, the people are so generous. I don't know if you noticed this in our Old Testament reading today, but the people are so generous that Moses actually has to tell them to stop bringing materials because there's so much brought that it actually hinders the work. Look with me at chapter 36, verse 3 and following. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him freewill offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. The people of Israel obeyed in a way that was willing, not coerced, and abundant, not the bare minimum. You see, sometimes it can be a great joy to lead a large group of people in the same direction toward one single goal. 
When the grace and the mercy of God change our hearts and we all walk together in the same direction in unity, this is a great joy. When we bring together our time, our talents, our treasures together as a congregation and we willingly and abundantly work to achieve the goal that God has given us, this is a great joy. In the case of Israel, they contributed to the tabernacle willingly and abundantly because in the aftermath of worshiping the golden calf, a true low point for Israel, God showed them grace and mercy that was willing and abundant. And in our case, we bring together our resources and our energies willingly and abundantly to pursue the work that God has given us to do, all because Christ has shown us grace and mercy that is willing and abundant. Isn't it true that the cross of Jesus Christ is willing and abundant? In the cross of Christ, you each have a Savior who willingly laid down his life for you. No one had to twist his arm, convince him, or coerce him. But he says, I lay down my life of my own accord. In the cross of Christ, you have a God who abundantly forgives you even when your sin abounds. Now, as a congregation, we are not stuck in the wilderness wandering 40 years and eating manna. Thanks be to God for that. But we are on a journey together, right? We are on a joint journey together as a congregation. God has given us a goal. He's given us a destination that we're called to walk together toward. Our goal, our mission is to do our share in fulfilling the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations and teach them to keep everything that Jesus has commanded. We're called to be a community that intentionally grows gospel-centered disciples of Jesus Christ who will remain in Him in this life and in the life to come. That's our mission. That's our goal. Now, of course, this is no easy task, right? Especially for a large church. Like the Israelites, it's easy sometimes to grumble or to complain when the journey is challenging and when growth is hard or uncomfortable. Or it's easy to get, get distracted just the way that the Israelites did and worship our own golden calves. Perhaps we let the church conform to the world or we even just insist that the church be all about me instead of all about Jesus. It takes focus. It takes discipline and maturity to walk together as a large church in one direction toward one goal. It takes sacrifice. It takes patience. It takes humility. It takes us getting out of our comfort zone and taking some risks. It takes sometimes saying no to some things so we can say yes to others. It takes trust in our leadership. It takes the involvement of every member it takes asking questions instead of jumping to conclusions when changes are suggested. It takes a willingness to not always get our way and to be mature enough to be okay with that. It takes speaking to others directly 
rather than speaking behind others' backs when we disagree on the direction that we should all walk together. But above all, it takes hearts that invest in our mission willingly and abundantly. It takes our hearts being stirred by the Holy Spirit's power so that we each make our church's mission our own life mission and not just the mission of a few. It means that we take the Great Commission and make it our life mission, our family mission, our church mission, the purpose for which we exist and the goal that we orient everything around. This past Sunday, we had our annual voters meeting, and we had 107 people there. That's about twice as many as we normally have at a voters meeting. I think it was the Domino's pizza. I think that's people heard. There's going to be Domino's. Sign me up for that. I'm there. Actually, I think it was well attended because after a few years of being on pause because of the pandemic, because of everything that 2020 was, we had some exciting things to talk about. We got a sneak peek of our website our new website that launches this week. We discussed some opportunities with our campus ministry. We saw some of the aesthetic updates that we've done. Our Sunday school hallway, our conference room, our monument sign. And we saw some opportunities for other updates in our Narthex and Friendship Hall, all to make our space as warm and as inviting as possible. We talked about launching a mobile app in the coming year with the pictorial directory so we can know each other's names and faces better. I'm not sure that a new heating and air conditioning system is exciting, but we did talk about that. Kent Cordes made it really exciting when he talked about it. But above all, the thing we talked about that excites me the most and that I pray excites you as well is our new mission statement at Holy Cross growing, gospel-centered disciples of Jesus Christ for life. For the whole month of December, we're going to be encouraging each of you to sign up for a sermon series and a Bible study uh, based on this book. It'll be six sermons, six studies, and it will be focusing on this new mission statement of Holy Cross and the direction that we believe God's calling us to walk together. We'll begin this in mid-January, and it will culminate with a joint worship service and a celebration together at Eunice on February 19th. So mark that in your calendars. Don't please try not to be out of town then. Um, We want everybody to participate in this, in our joint worship service. Now, this sermon series and this study is an opportunity for us as an entire congregation to walk together in the same direction, toward the same goal. And my prayer for each of us is that this would be a season of joyful togetherness as we all come together after, you know, a time where we've been distant and fractured because of all the things that have happened in the past years. My prayer is that this season will be for us a joyful one and that we will embrace our new mission statement willingly and abundantly. And that the same Lord who stirred the hearts of the Israelites so long ago would stir our hearts as well. In the name of Jesus, amen.